Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Ezekiel 48 and verse 30. And these are the goings out of the city on the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel, three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. And at the east side, 4,500 and three gates, and one uh, gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, one gate of Dan. And at the south side, 4,500 measures and three gates, one gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, one gate of Zebulun. And at the west side, 4,500 uh, with their three gates, one gate of Gad. Uh, sometimes I think a lot of people belong to that. They're always gadding about. Um, one gate of Asher and one gate of Naphtali. It was round about 18,000 measures and the name of the city from that day shall be Jehovah Shammah, or the Lord is there, or the Lord ever present. So uh, this is another of those great redemptive names, and as far as I understand, it's the last great redemptive name or compound redemptive name to be revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, the Lord is there. Those of you who have the marginal reference on the King James, it says Jehovah Shammah, uh, the Lord is there, or the Lord ever present. Now, um, just a little side glance here. As you look at the uh, last few verses of Ezekiel here, Ezekiel is describing the city of God, the new city, which we'll look at a bit more here. And you'll notice that the city virtually is four square and it points to the ultimate city of God, which is four square in the book of Revelation. And the city has 12 gates, three gates on the north, south, east and west sides. And on each of the gates are the names or one of the names of the 12 tribes. And uh, I've mentioned this before and I haven't got time to qualify it, so don't throw it away. I can't help it if I'm right. I, I believe that when we're born again, uh, all of us are born into the spiritual Israel of God. I think most of us would agree with that. But I believe that when we are born into the Israel of God, the spiritual Israel of God, that is the corporate name, like Israel was the corporate name of the 12 tribes in the Old Testament, it was the corporate name of the church in the wilderness. And I believe it's a corporate name because Israel is the corporate name of the, of the New Testament Israel of God. But when we're born into the Israel of God, I believe, and I haven't got time to qualify this, I never seem to get time to, I believe that we are adopted into one of the tribes. So that's why I'm cautious when, <laughs> some of you looking at me funny there, <laughs> like a cow looking at a new gate. You ought to see yourself. And uh, it's a very interesting study to study the characteristics of the tribes and I can pick some people out and I think, yeah, I know what tribe they belong to. But we won't get onto that because I don't want to lose you. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so sometimes we have preachers come along and say, oh, how many, how many know what Judah means? What does Judah mean? Praise. And say, how many belong to the tribe of Judah? <laughs> Hands up. <laughs> oh, everybody belongs to the tribe of Judah. No, the thing is, we'll have to disagree agreeably uh, because if you all belong to the tribe of Judah, where are the other 11 tribes? 
because the tribe of Judah does not constitute the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, the spiritual Israel, or the Old Testament Israel, constituted was constituted of 12 tribes. And so when the tribes went up, in fact, just while I'm just indulging, I got tempered and I said, get behind me, but he pushed me. Uh, just uh, go over to Psalm 122, just, just a little indulgence. Kids in college used to say, Brother Connor, we enjoy your indulgences better than your teaching. Uh, Psalm 122, just quickly, and then we'll get back to our study here. It does all relate. Everything fits, doesn't it? It all belongs to the same Bible. Um, Psalm 122 and uh, verse 1. I was sad when they said unto me... Oh, oh, it's a mistake in my... No, what does it say? Let's get the light up. I was mad when they said unto me... I was glad. That's right, that's right. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Now we saw in Ezekiel how each of the gates had the name of a tribe on it. So, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes, not the one tribe of Judah, but the tribes, the twelve tribes, whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. And so the picture was, as, as uh, tradition tells us, they would have these songs of degrees and the twelve tribes would be coming up from uh, their inheritances in the land of Palestine, the promised land, and uh, let's go up to the house of the Lord. I'm glad that it's time to go up to the house of the Lord for the festival occasions. And as they're looking towards what was then the holy city before it become unholy, uh, saying, Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. And so they would go in through their particular tribal gates and uh, stand there, the tribes going up. And I believe that when the Lord Jesus comes a second time, that the redeemed out of every kindred tongue tribe and nation that belonged to the Israel of God and were caught up to meet the Lord and we go sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem that all the redeemed will go in their particular tribal gate because in the book of Revelation, John sees the same vision with the city of God, the names of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, one on each of the gates and we'll go in through the particular gate that uh, the tribe we were adopted into. How many think that's a good theory anyway? And I could give you some interesting scriptures, but that's not our study. Okay, so the redemptive name we're looking at tonight is the name of the city. From that day shall be the Lord is there. Now, let's just, as I've got on the notes here, okay, this compound redemptive name of the Lord is found in Ezekiel 48.35. The name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there, or Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, the Lord ever present. Let's just have a little bit of an overview of Ezekiel because as we've been saying, as David's been sharing, we've been sharing together, that each of these compound redemptive names uh, are revealed in a particular historical setting and every setting relates to a need of man. How many think that we need the Lord to be there? Wherever we are, we need the presence of the Lord. So let's have an overview of Ezekiel uh, to help us uh, appreciate this redemptive name. Okay, uh, if you've got a little bit of pa uh, space on your paper there. The book of Ezekiel is basically, 
Okay, we're having an overview of the book now. It's basically divided into three sections. Okay, let's look at it here. Ezekiel chapters 1 through to, t uh, to 24. Okay, let's take it there. Ezekiel 1 through to 24. And then the middle section, as you've got on your notes here, we're just diagramming it. Uh, Ezekiel 25 through to 32 and then chapter 35. And then uh, the third section is Ezekiel chapter 33 right through to 48. Now, this is the overview that we have. In Ezekiel chapter 1 through to 24, we're basically uh, dealing with uh, judgments. And I want you to notice the judgments here. This is uh, pretty well on your notes. Judgments first on the city of Jerusalem. The old city, the earthly city, the old city of Jerusalem, and then uh, the temple, the old temple, and what Ezekiel sees is the departing glory, the glory departs. Let's go back to a couple of verses in Ezekiel 1, I don't want to swamp you with too much detail, this is an Old Testament survey really. Okay, let's go back to Ezekiel uh, a moment here. Ezekiel chapter, let's pick out a couple of verses here. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 3. And uh, pick up in verse uh, 12. Ezekiel uh, chapter 3 verse 12. And then we'll go to verse 24 and a couple of other verses here. All right, then the Spirit took me up. This is the Holy Spirit taking Ezekiel up. And I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. The glory of the Lord from his place. Now, the glory of the Lord was in the old temple and uh, the heart of the city was the temple. A city and the temple, the temple and the city. You can never think of the city of Jerusalem without the temple of God and the glory of God. Now see, what we're headed for here, there's going to be a new temple and a new city. And the Lord is there. But something drastic happens, particularly in chapters 1 through to 10. But all these chapters are dealing with judgments on the city of Jerusalem and the old temple and the glory of God. Now, as he sees this, Ezekiel, by the way, uh, we can add this here. Ezekiel is in Babylonian captivity. Okay, that's very meaningful because here he is down in Babylon and he's given visions of God and though he's in Babylon, the Holy Spirit actually gives him visions of what's happening in the old temple in Jerusalem and the departure of the glory of God and the destruction of the city and the temple under Nebuchadnezzar. So all these first chapters sort of uh, preparatory uh, to what's going to happen in what we're looking at in this redemptive name. Okay, let's go to uh, verse 23. Then I arose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, as the glory which I saw by the river of Chiba, and I fell, upon, uh, fell on my face. Now let's go over to a couple of other verses here. Uh, we'll go way over to chapter 8 and verse 4 or verse 3 we'll pick up 
here, Ezekiel 8 verse 3, And he put forth the form of an hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of, image, of the image of jealousy, which provoketh the jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision I'd seen in the plain. Then in verse 6, uh, we can just condense a little bit here. He furthermore said to me, Son of man, do you see what they're doing here? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn yet again and you'll see greater abominations. And so it goes right through a list of the abominations. Now verse 3 of chapter 9. Verse 3 of chapter 9. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub. Now think what is happening here because here we have the temple. Just imagine this was the temple. And right here was the Ark of the Covenant where the glory of God was. But now they have brought abominations into the house of the Lord, the temple of God. And God says, okay, can I stay here with these abominations? And so the glory of, the God, of God begins to lift. And it goes step by step reluctantly. Now let's go to, the, uh, to verse 4 of chapter 10. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with a cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Verse 18, terrible words of chapter 10. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And then you come to uh, the verse that I just haven't got at my fingertips. I'll just have to say it, that the glory of the Lord went up from the temple and it went over to the Mount of Olives and went back to heaven. Go to Matthew chapter 24 to a very familiar verse and see the ultimate of this because it's very significant Matthew ch chapter 24 and verse 1 now let's compare the language in Ezekiel 10 and verse 17 the glory of the Lord departed and Matthew 24 verse 1 and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and where did he sit upon the Mount of Olives. And when Jesus ascended after his ministry and proclaiming the desolation of the temple in his day, where did he go? He went to the Mount of Olives. Years before the glory of God was going to depart from the temple because of the abominations that were brought in and Ezekiel as well as Jeremiah prophesied judgment on the city, prophesied judgment on the temple, and the glory of God departed from the temple, went over to the Mount of Olives, and then went back to heaven. And how significant that the glory of God personified in the Lord Jesus Christ, after rejection of his ministry, the cleansing of the temple in, in his time, in the Gospels. They reject that cleansing and bring abominations into the house of the Lord and make his house a den of thieves. So Jesus went out, departed from the temple, went over to the Mount of Olives and from the Mount after his death, burial and resurrection he was going to ascend back to the Father. 
Jesus himself did personally exactly what the glory of God did back there. After all, Jesus is the glory of God personified. The word was made flesh and tabernacle among us and we beheld his glory. So all of this is shadowed back there. All right, now in the middle, we won't spend time on the middle part, but here's the picture we have, judgments of God because of the abomination. So on the city of Jerusalem, the temple, and the departure of the glory, Babylon in captivity. And between here now, Ezekiel 25 through to 32 and 35, we have the judgment that prophesied on the Gentile nations because uh, like Jeremiah, like most of the major minor prophets, they prophesy first to the people of God. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Then it goes in concentric circles to the Gentile nations, surrounding nations. So we have judgment on the Gentile nations. Now, when we get to the final section of the book, this actually is what we call the Messianic section. Okay, the Messianic section of the book. And we have prophecies of the Messiah, of the New Covenant. But the main thing that we've got here to correspond with this, and remember, Ezekiel himself is a priest. And so as a priest, the watchman, priest has to do with the temple and the city ministry. Here he is now under Messiah's ministry. He prophesies of a new temple. He prophesies of a new city. And he sees the glory of God returning to this new temple. The glory returns. And here, in contrast to this one, here he sees the river of God. And here he sees the tree of life, the trees of life. And here he gets a, a new redemptive name, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Now, we haven't got time to ask questions that people raise. Well, is Ezekiel's temple a literal temple, a material temple? Is it a temple that's going to be uh, built in the millennium or what? We haven't got time to talk about that. Okay, but what he's seeing a new temple in contrast to the old temple. A new city, contrast to the old city, the glory of God returning to the new temple and the city in contrast to the glory departing. This city had no river of God. Let's turn to... Uh, Psalm 46, well, on this, this scripture is not on your notes, but you might like to add it. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And uh, verse 4. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. Which city is it referring to? The old city or the new city? The old city never had a river. The old city of Jerusalem never had a river running through it like the new city does. So there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Now, uh, I want you to go down or over the page for a moment. Let's go over the page. And I want you to look at uh, two or three scriptures uh, with me here up the top of the page. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 33. 
Second Chronicles, chapter 33. And we'll pick up in verse uh, 4. Now the thing that I want you to note here is the emphasis on the name. In order to help us uh, understand more clearly what Ezekiel is saying here about the city of God with its 12 gates, the four square city. Uh, and, and, and the name of the city from that day forward shall be this. Okay, back here in the old city, the city, in fact, it's sort of a um, uh, something within something within something. The, the name of God, as we've seen in some of our early studies, was on the Ark of the Covenant. So the name was on the Ark, and yet the name was in the tabernacle and the temple, and yet here he says the name was in the city. So it's sort of, you know... Uh, wheels within wheels type of thing. The, uh, the name of God was in the city, the city that was called by his name, the temple where his name dwelt, the ark where his name dwelt. So the name was associated with the ark, the temple and the city. And we've been seeing that as we've gone through our study. So Second um, uh, Chronicles chapter 33 and we'll read verse 3 and 4 just to get the sense of the verse here. Manasseh uh, Hezekiah's wicked son that was born to him in that extension of 15 years. If he hadn't have uh, got that extension of 15 years, then this wicked son wouldn't have been born. And there's various reasons why this happened. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down, and he reared up altars for ba Balaam, uh, and made groves, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. So the city and his name. Let's go over to one other verse. There's a number of verses that confirm this, but I've just put two there. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. So the city of Jerusalem, place where his name was. Daniel chapter 9 and verses 18 and 19. Daniel in his prayer, is, uh, he's about to receive the 70-week prophecy from the angelic interpreter Gabriel, the archangel of the sun. So in verse 18 of Daniel 9, O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations. And note this next part, and the city which is called by thy name, or the marginal reference says, the city whereupon thy name is called. So the city, for we do not present our supplications for, before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. So the city is called by his name, his people are called by his name. All right, now, let's go uh, back to the previous page just a moment here. Time keeps moving on. Under section B. All right, so we've had a, had a look, I trust here, of, of the overview of the book, the judgments in the city, the old city of Jerusalem, the old temple, because of the abominations, the departure of the glory, 
up to the Mount of Olives, and then the Babylonian captivity all in this period of time. Then the Gentile nations coming under judgment, then the book fi- uh, finishing with Messianic prophecies, particularly concerning a new temple, a new city, glory of God returning, the river of God, and the, and the trees of life, and this uh, redemptive name, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. So as I've put on your notes, you've got the new temple, the new priesthood, the new land allotments, the new prince, the new river of God, the new city of God. Now, under section B, the presence of the Lord. The, the presence of the Lord has always been manifested in the dwelling places of God. The Lord has always de- desired to dwell among and with his redeemed. Upon the basis of redemptive blood and holiness of his people, God would dwell. Would you just put uh, one other scripture here also that comes to mind? Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 6, which is uh, very appropriate here. Second Corinthians 6. And uh, you could put next to that uh, verses 14 through to 18. Second Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Here's the crunch of the whole thing. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. What's the purpose of a temple? As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So you and I are the temple of God, God dwelling in us, walking in us, of which all earthly temples were but a shadow of God wanting to dwell in us. He was never content to dwell in temples. The ultimate dwelling place was in Christ and the church. So uh, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so as we've got here, you'll notice I've put down without turning to a number of scriptures here that there's just been a progressive revelation of the dwelling places of God. In Genesis chapter 3, we have God's dwelling place in the Garden of Eden with the cherubim and the flaming sword, the first tabernacle of God, God's dwelling place. God caused to dwell, literally he caused to tabernacle. The Garden of Eden, the cherubim and flaming sword. Then number two, God's second dwelling place was in the tabernacle of Moses, uh, where the glory of the Lord came. Then uh, ch- uh, number three, the third dwelling place in, uh, was in the, of God was in the tabernacle of David, where the order of worship and praise and the musicians and the instrumentalists and the orchestra and all that was set up, plus a lot of theological implications that are often missed, I'm afraid. And then number four, God's dwelling place was in the temple, the temple of Solomon as it's spoken of. So there's a progressive revelation of the unfolding of the dwelling places of God. And then of course God's dwelling place was in the city of Jerusalem. Number six, God's dwelling place is in Christ Jesus. And we find that Christ Jesus, he is the tabernacle and the temple. So all the Old Testament tabernacles and the Old Testament temple pointed to him pointed to a person. Okay, now let's go over to the, uh, the other page, to section C now. 
Okay, on the section C, we come now to the New Testament. All of the above, that's the dwelling place in Eden with its measure of revelation and portion of truth. Uh, the dwelling place in the tabernacle of Moses with the many portions of truth there. And God's dwelling place in the tabernacle of David and its many portions of truths. Then the temple, which is the embodiment of everything that's gone before. Then the city and then the Lord Jesus Christ as head of the church. All of the above foreshadowed the ultimate dwelling place of God with his people, which is in the new city. The new Jerusalem coming down from God, uh, from heaven, from God. I'd like you to go to a contrast now. And uh, I want to say this kindly and carefully, but uh, truthfully too. One of the hardest things to break in people's minds is traditions concerning the city of Jerusalem. Now, how would you respond if I said to you, okay, Psalm 122, which we looked at earlier, says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How many believe we should be praying for the peace of that city of Jerusalem over there? Do you want to put your hand up, or how many would like to put your hand up? How many don't believe we should be praying for the city? How many, again, are frightened of getting caught? <laughs> Pray for the people, but not for the city. How many would say Sister Connor's right? Now, if you say she's wrong, you're saying my wife could be wrong. <laughs> All right, now why is it that we want to go to Jerusalem for a misguided tour? Now, I've been to Jerusalem, drunk out of Jacob's well and spat it back again. Went to the two places where Jesus was buried. They're both genuine. Footprints of Jesus about that long in cement. He had a real big foot. In Europe, there's hairs off the head of Jesus, enough to clothe every bald man in this place. In fact, the Catholics had a statue of Mary where the milk was still flowing. That's true. Witchcraft. Smile, you candid camera. So... Which city have you got your eyes on? We're talking about the name of that city from that day forward shall be called Jehovah Shama. The Lord is there. Now, how many think the Lord is in earthly Jerusalem at the moment? Have you got a tongue? Have you got a head? Okay, let's look at two bunches of scriptures for our few last, our last few moments. I was going to say our few last moments. Uh, John chapter 4. And this is in your Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. John chapter 4. And what we have to do, and I've done this in my own studies, I've gone through every scripture in the Bible on Jerusalem to sort out the conclusion I'm giving to you tonight. Okay, John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus talking to the woman at the well, and of course the first thing she did, like most people do when you want to witness to them, they get into a religious argument about places of worship. And so uh, in verse 20, uh, she says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say in Jerusalem is the place men, where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, and listen to what Jesus said, this is Jesus, this is not Kevin Connor. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh 
when you shall neither in this mountain, referring to Gerizim and the temple that Samaritans had, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You know not what you worship. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, in fact it now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father, not in Jerusalem, but in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And when Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither in this mountain or in Jerusalem you're going to worship the Father. The moment Jesus said that, he repudiated Jerusalem as an earthly place of worship. Huh? Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there I am in the midst. So we don't need to go to Mecca. We don't need to go to Azusa Street. We don't need to go to Jerusalem. We don't need to go to Saskatchewan. Now I know most of you don't know what those names mean, but they're all places where God once moved by his spirit and we built monuments to a movement. Movement is a movement that was meant to move. Then the movement became a monument. Uh, they call it getting established. I call it getting stuck in the mud. Okay, let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Maybe while you're looking at the Bible, you're not looking at me. Galatians chapter 4. And Paul is so clear. This is Paul, a Jew, who had his life wrapped up in Jerusalem. Galatians 4. And uh, in verse 22, 23, paraphrasing a little bit, Abraham had two sons. Verse 24, which things are an allegory for these two sons of the two covenants. Oh, covenantal truth. The one from the Mount Sinai, which generates the bondage, which is Hagar or Hagar. For this Hagar, now listen to it, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is. Which Jerusalem's that? Present earthly one. And is in bondage with her children. So the present Jerusalem is in bondage with the children because they're in bondage to sin. They know not the Messiah. But, 26, Jerusalem which is above is free. Which is my mum. Which is the mother of us all. So there's two Jerusalems. There's a Jerusalem which it now is and it's in bondage. But there's a Jerusalem which is above, which is free. Which Jerusalem do you belong to? Go over to the last uh, distinctive reference to the earthly Jerusalem in Revelation 11.8. Now we're talking about the name of that city, the name of that city. Well, what city? Earthly Jerusalem? I think we're going to be gathered around earthly city in the coming millennial age. Well, Revelation chapter 11, 8, last reference uh, to the earthly Jerusalem particularly, and referring to the two witnesses, whoever they are. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. How do we know which the great city is? The great city where also our Lord was crucified. No mistake there, but let's read it fully. Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom, and Egypt, 
where also our Lord was crucified. So every time I go to Jerusalem, I'm going over to a city which in God's mind, and I got this from John, Jew, John, he said it spiritually is Sodom and Egypt. So who wants to come for a misguided tour with me to Sodom? No mistake it here. Now how many know what happened to Sodom? Sodom had two witnesses before it was destroyed by fire and brimstone. There's two witnesses here. What happened to Egypt? As spiritually as Egypt, what happened to Egypt? Egypt had two witnesses and was destroyed by plagues. So whatever happened to Sodom by fire and brimstone, and whatever happened to Egypt by plagues after both those places had two witnesses is exactly what happens with these two witnesses to the earthly city where our Lord was crucified. Now I might be upsetting some of your theological apple carts or treading on your corns. We'll have a healing meeting at the end. But how many of you are expecting that when Jesus comes back the second time, he's going to set up headquarters in that earthly Jerusalem and we're going to rule and reign from that city? Now you might be, but I won't. Let's go over to um, Hebrews quickly. Uh, I've got three minutes for you to hold on to your blessings here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. And these scriptures are all in your Bible. Verse 8, paraphrasing a little bit, By faith Abraham, when he was called, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, verse 10. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. How many think the city that Abraham is looking for is that smelly thing over there in the Middle East? Has God been the builder and maker of that city, verse 16? But now they desire a better country. Oh, I thought the better country was Palestine. No, that is a heavenly. Oh, there's a heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You think God's preparing that earthly Jerusalem over there that was spiritually is Sodom and Egypt? You think that's where the saints are going to reign in the millennial age from? Go to chapter 12 and verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. Oh, that'll be Jerusalem. No, the heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem, the city which is above is free. Chapter 13, verse 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So we go over to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. A bloodless Feast of Tabernacles. Is he referring to that? Revelation chapter 3. And verse 12, to him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. And there's no mistake, all these guys are looking not at the old Jerusalem that was going to be destroyed back here by Babylon, later on after Christ by the New Testament Babylon, Rome. They're all looking for a new city 
I will write upon him the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, not old Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I'll write upon him my new name. And then, of course, let's go to the ultimate scripture here, Revelation chapter 21. The ultimate dwelling place of God and the redeemed is the heavenly Jerusalem, the new city of God, where the river of God, the tree of life, and the glory of God dwells, and the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple thereof. Revelation 21, as we finish here, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, I John, saw the holy city. Now that city which spiritually is Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the name of that city from that day forward shall be called Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Verse 23, the last verse, last part. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Hallelujah. I'm looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. I'm not looking for when Jesus comes to go over to the earthly city of Jerusalem. Looking for a city that I can say, the name of that city is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, the Lord ever present. Can you say amen? Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.